0: <laughs> for the love of the frame love, 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 love,
1: love of the the of the frame Welcome to this week's edition of for the Love of the frame My name's Tim and sitting to my left looking very nervous and eyeing the simple set next to me It's Ian. <laughs>
2: Is that your first one
1: that wasn't actually from the movie? Well,
0: just turn the pages. Yeah. Make sure Tim's mic is tuned
2: and just turn his pages. I'm just constantly turning pages in his notebook. You shouldn't be dragging. Don't drag, Ian. Don't drag. Don't, Don't try. just slap me. I just, want, I just want everybody to know, but I'm a professional.
1: Yeah. I've always Ian wanted actually
0: to... actually
1: got in the car wreck. <laughs> <laughs> He's
0: bleeding. Yeah.
1: I've always wanted to ask Is Ian's one of those, those single-tier people. <laughs> <laughs> You'll never know.
0: Single-tier guy? Never know.
1: Also with us is Aaron, who never rushes and never drags. <laughs> He's always on rhythm.
2: Always on time. Wow. Always on time. You should be a drummer. <laughs> He's like a wizard. A <laughs> wizard, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is, that, is that what he says about, or is that what Gandalf says about himself? Oh, a wizard always arrives yeah. when he means to. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, this is not how this podcast. I, I'm gonna put a stop to this right now. That's the last Lord of the Rings reference. We are not, and I like Lord of the Rings just fine. Yeah, we we we're talked gonna about keep,
2: doing Lord of the Rings ever, have we? Uh, there's probably a reason
1: for that. But wow, I don't even know what that means. <laughs> I like Lord of the Rings. I kind of think some of that's been done to death I by mean, people yeah, that's true. smarter than us. That is true. I <laughs> don't <And so>, uh, <laughs> oh no, smarter than us. <laughs> it's
2: definitely been done. <laughs> All right, anyways. Anyways,
1: going. we are here to discuss the 2014 film Whiplash, written and directed by Damien Chazelle. Um This is my birthday present to myself. I did notice at the end of our last podcast, I think we said that my birthday present to myself was coming up and then we released E.T. So I don't know if that was on purpose, but whatever jerk was responsible for that, it makes it sound like my birthday was E.T. And that's... A cruel twist of fate. (laughs) That is, wow. So I don't know if that was you, Ian, or if that was Parker, or if that was just... Wait, we didn't say that at the end
2: of E.T.? That was at the end of the one before? It was at the
1: end of uh, Field of Dreams, but then we released them out of order, and we released Field of Dreams before E.T. Wow. And so we said... next week. I know. Our producing is really, really... really, (laughs) I I can't help but wonder if it was intentional. I just gotta say.
0: That that does feel intentional. I gotta back (laughs) you up there, because... Thank you. I don't think any have ever been released out of order. Yes.
1: And so I think ET actually got released today. At least as far as anybody knows. Yeah. So that symbol set is looking <laughs> mighty close right now. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying. They've got symbols all over
0: the <laughs> room. <here. laughs>
2: Just laying everywhere. Uh oh.
1: Ready to fly.
2: I'm going to be so, so good after this.
1: <laughs> this film. Um, which is Chazelle's debut by the way. Um, He did this as a short because he didn't have enough money to make it into a full length film. So did it as a short. I think it won some awards, attracted financing for the full length film uh, and it won three Oscars. Um, Probably most well known for best supporting actor for J.K. Simmons, whose uh, portrayal of Fletcher um, is an all timer in my book. I love J.K. Simmons regardless. And I love him (laughs) in this role. We'll get to that, I imagine. Um, Also one for editing, which I think is another well-deserved. This is a very, very tightly... um, I'm not some guru at editing, but as far as I can appreciate, that's always felt very well-edited to me. Um, And sound mixing. Nominated for Best Picture and Best Adapted Screenplay. The... I took the time to write this down. I would have picked this for best film yeah. of the year, but Birdman won that year mm. um, up against boyhood, which probably would have been my number two, uh, grand Budapest hotel, Wes Anderson. <laughs> we'll leave that for another Jenna's time. Favorite. <laughs> Actually for Wes Anderson, I, I, grand budapest hotel is the mm. one I, I probably enjoyed and enjoyed being the operative word the most. Uh, Theory of Everything, American Sniper, Selma, Imitation Game, and Whiplash were the, the nominees that year. Mm. So now that we're about 10 years out, you know, we'll let history judge. But And Miles Teller didn't even
2: get nominated, right? For no. a lead? Nope. Yeah, that that seems messed up to me.
1: He's in every scene. There's not a scene mm. in this movie that he's not in. Wow. Been in some work. Yeah. He was not in the short. The, it came down to the guy who was in the, the short version uh-huh. and then Miles Teller uh-huh. and Chazelle uh, kind of went back and forth from what I was reading and ultimately went with Teller because Teller hmm. had some drumming experience. He had drummed since he was 15. Hmm. So uh, not, not professional or anything like I that. thought Teller but, might
0: have lost the other guy's script. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ian's like, noted. Yeah. <laughs> If you ever try to replace Ian in the podcast, don't let him anywhere near your drumsticks or your notes. Your notes,
2: yeah. It might be my notes after that.
1: So this movie, um, I'm curious. Um, I'm probably one of the chief evangelizers of this movie. I make most people who I care about watch this, usually at my house, and I'm known to be very liberal with my pause button to talk (laughs) and analyze (laughs) Uh, I know Ian's had to live through that. Um, but I'm curious, uh, the first time you encountered this movie, if you can remember.
2: Yeah, I actually really do remember more than most movies, okay. uh, which I think points to just how good of a movie this is. I re- specifically remember, I think it was 2016. Cause I remember where I was living and one of my friends who is like more into just like the movie scene and what's going on. He wanted to watch this. So me and him and another friend put it on in my apartment. And I remember specifically just I mean watching it the whole time. We nobody really knew where I was going. None no of us had seen it before. And I just remember the the ending and it like it ends, you see the credits and we just we just sat there in the dark for like five minutes yes. after that.
1: That's the only appropriate response. Yeah, yeah, yeah and it was because
2: we were all just like, what just happened? And we, were, I think we were just thinking through it and we were like talking about it a little bit. And yeah, and it was great. I That was, yeah, I still remember that because it was just such a fun way to watch a movie.
1: Did you feel like you were in the presence of greatness?
2: I did. I yeah. didn't feel like that, Yeah. That's, that's, but I mean, I always feel like that. Yeah, I, I was always, waiting for you to say yeah, that. But, it's too easy, Tim. Yeah,
1: you know, too easy. I was, you know, I was testing to see how you jump on that. If you were going to be dragging, or if you're going to be a little too quick. <laughs> so you're a little slow. I mean, I'm noted. I need to be
2: the best podcaster in the entire world. <laughs> Not my that's tempo. That's my goal. Not my <laughs> that's tempo. My goal. <laughs> how about you, Aaron? Uh, I saw this
0: because of Tim. Yeah, and. <laughs> um, I don't think, all right, this, I don't know if this will hurt your feelings or not, but the first couple years, I remember you talking about it. I really thought you were talking about the Drew Barrymore roller, (laughs) whip it. (laughs) And I was like, I hadn't seen that. I still haven't seen that either. I have no idea what you're talking yeah, about. I don't know what that is. You yeah, had ca- me
1: at Drew Barrymore. It came out in like,
0: oh, nine. I still haven't seen it. She's a roller <laughs> derby girl. It has, like, it has like Kristen Wiig and um, Ellen Page or Elliot Page. Oh, um, and I huh. wish you watched that. I could not. I mean, I never saw it and I think it is like well-received. Okay. Um, But I could not figure out like why you were connecting so hard <laughs> with this. <laughs> true Barrymore roller derby movie. And I think because I hadn't seen it, we didn't really talk about it. We mm-hmm. just would kind of bring up Whiplash. and um, Tim did have some rollerblades in New York. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I did. He did have rollerblades. <laughs> That's true. Um, so I remember the... I I truly... Because I'm not a big... Well, movies I like to go in without yeah. having to look things up. I truly didn't realize it was a different movie until... <laughs> I think it was at your house the first time I saw it and you put it on and I'm like, drums, like, what is like, this is a weird roller derby. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, it's, it quickly became apparent. This is a jazz. Oh, this, this is not about roller. This <laughs> must be something else. And um so that was its own kind of whiplash. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, oh yeah. layers.
1: <laughs> that reminds, <laughs> we can do a tangent. Um... <laughs> We had a friend uh come over back uh, when we had that group that would watch movies and we were we came when we were watching Nebraska, which uh-huh. is a film in black and white about a like an old guy trying to claim am like a publisher's sweepstakes <laughs> like kind of scam th- prize that he genuinely <laughs> thought he won and his son accompanying him but before the movie, we were talking about ex machina. <laughs> And about how we should watch that one day, but wires got crossed, uh-huh. and, and this friend thought that Ex Machina was the movie we were watching. <laughs> oh wow. wow! And so Nebraska comes and plays the entire <laughs> two hours. At the, the end, is like, <laughs> like, well, what'd you think of the movie? He's just like, where were the robots? <laughs> <laughs> which one is the robot? That's that's how you know the AI is so good. That's amazing.
2: You can't tell it's wrong. It is. <laughs> was it that old guy? <laughs> uh, Passed the Turing test. That's Thuring? right. That's, yeah, I I still randomly think about that like that is once that's a month. Really funny.
0: That would be amazing. I wish I could watch Nebraska <laughs> yeah. thinking it was like
2: because
0: <laughs> it was so genuine. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> like he never jumped off that train. <laughs> I want that. I want that experience. I one day hope that I'm able to watch a
2: movie thinking it's uh, another. It almost happened with Whiplash. It
0: almost did, yeah.
2: <laughs> if there was like just a little bit more roller skating. There just there been one have, roller yeah. skate, man, it would have. Yeah. I might have been able to do
0: it.
1: Whiplash is somewhat infamous in, in Gillen family lore. Um, me, I, I was love at first sight. I, I did not see this in the movie theater um, it was kind of you know that it's a very small budget, small movie that you know got some awards buzz, and so I think it got on my radar then, and I rented it, and I was just from like the very beginning, just absorbed and transfixed, and like loved it. And to me, it's like a sports movie that just happens to use jazz. You know, it's a, I, I see it like like motivation and, and drive and, and things like that. Um, my wife comes from a music, like a musical family and she's just kind of like, that's not how jazz works and like would not come off that. And I like was wanting to like talk and like dive into it. We spent like an hour, like had like a legit like fight about it, like (laughs) a legit, we're mad at each other because I would like talk and talk and talk. And I was so (laughs) excited the way I get with like, especially this movie and she would just be like. Yeah, but that's not how jazz works. <laughs> Fletcher would never exist in real life. But you don't understand. Like, just put that aside. And I would go, you know, but that's not how jazz works. And like, this was a sore subject for a long time in, in my house. Because I would always try to, like a year go by, and then I'd rent it, and I'd try to like engage again. And it's just like, that's not how that's Still not can, how jazz works. Yeah. You. Yeah, it took for her to kind of get closer to sports and in some other ways to mm-hmm. like understand sports from the inside. And I think she, we're, we're past that argument now. Although I don't think she likes it as much as I do. <laughs> it's interesting. Uh, a lot of people find this movie to be like too intense or too. Yeah, I I've that. recommended it to so many people, and <laughs> I've had a lot of people kind of have hurt feelings coming back to me being like, why did you make me watch that? I could
0: see it being like triggering or just yeah difficult for people to watch who, I mean, I think that dynamic, maybe not to the same intensity or degree, but like it exists. And like you're saying sure. sports or there's parents who parent like sure. that. So I could understand someone
2: being like, I don't really enjoy this. <laughs> like, yeah. I feel like if you had experience like that, then mm-hmm. it wouldn't be very fun. And in general, it's like, unless you just really appreciate that type of movie, it's not like a fun movie yeah. to watch, which I think I've realized that over the years that when most people ask for movie recommendations that they want like a fun movie to watch. <laughs> and that's normally not the movies that I recommend. Uh, yeah. And so this this is definitely one of those that falls into that category of like, it's an incredible movie but if it's not just something you want to throw on, if you're like watching it in the background or whatever, <laughs> it's like not really. Yeah, that. It's not like a party movie. No, though. yeah. I yeah. feel like
0: parties. It's always like Office Space or yeah. like uh, Days and Confused will be on. This mm-hmm. isn't something you
1: throw on. <laughs> I don't want to be at those parties. Yeah, <laughs> I want to be at a Whiplash you party. To yeah. <laughs> Do you identify at all with Andrew Ian? Uh, <laughs>
2: man, that's a good question, actually. <laughs> I mean, in some ways I like, I think especially whenever I was younger, like the drive that he has or just kind of this like binary, like you're either good or you're not good. Mm -hmm. And you're either like on this path towards greatness or you're not. I think I, I had a lot of that growing up. And so I I think I identified with that part of it. And even Fletcher's like pushing, I, I identify with that. More than I would like, as well. I will say, from the pushing side or liking the being pushed. Uh, From the pushing side, Mm. I think that's kind of that's like my normal way of motivating
1: people.
2: (laughs) Did you you just teach a bunch of children? If I don't don't like, okay, that was this is younger Ian. Younger Ian. If I, that's just like. Kids, yeah, I, I don't even know what I'm saying. Are you this. one
1: of those single-tier kids?
2: <laughs> oh I, I don't know why I'm even saying all this stuff. No, I just, like, the directness and the, like, you want to be good at what you're doing, so let me just do what makes you good, I think is, like, I identify with that, like, black and white straightforward thinking. Mm. But as I've matured, I, I don't think that that's even mm. the, necessarily the best way to... Get people, but I do think it's open for debate. I think it's an interesting question, which is one of the questions that this movie is really asking. I'm not like Fletcher. I just want to say that (laughs) on on the top here. But I might have some tendencies that could have been sort of like him uh, if I had grown up differently, I think. I'll leave it at that. (laughs)
0: I'll leave it at that.
1: I just want you to know that every Sunday when you play the drums, I think about this movie. I, I actually think about it a lot too, <laughs> whenever I'm playing the drums. Literally every single time it happens, I I'm think just, about this.
2: I'm just going to watch out that one time that you are actually holding yeah. a symbol. A a sim- I can't say I've that been symbol. that
1: tempted. You're lucky I'm musically illiterate, so I can't yeah. actually tell
2: how you're playing. I was going to say, it has to be like particularly bad yeah. for me to notice. Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, I'm like, yeah, I'm sure they're playing fine. Why do you think we put the, uh, the cage up around the drums? Oh, yeah. <laughs> we say it's for the yeah. sound, but it's actually just for protection.
1: <laughs> I, I was reading, and I, I think it's interesting that J.K. Simmons, the, the actor, he graduated with a degree in music. Interesting. Uh, and his father was the, uh, a professor and the chair of the Department of Music at uh, Montana University. Hmm. Um, so he had, you know, not necessarily, he actually went into obviously acting, yeah. but he had enough of like a musical background that, I don't know, like, I, I don't know how much that informs his role, but it has mm-hmm. to fit in there somewhere. Um, yeah. you Daddy know, just, wasn't good enough for the big stage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> had to settle for Montana. <laughs> <laughs> Dang. So let's, let's jump in. Cause there's, I don't want to waste. We, we have only so much time and there's so much to, to talk mm. about. Um, I, we do like to talk about opening and closing scenes. Mm. This movie yeah. is probably like a top three ending of all time for me. That's yeah. how highly I esteem the ending of this movie. I also love the opening um, because you hear it's black and you start hearing the, you know, the, I'm not doing the noise.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I just want you to like, do all the drum noises with your mouth to them. I think, like that was so pathetic. I think that would really make the podcast a lot better. If you <laughs> Maybe just Parker can put it in that. post. Like yeah. a drum kind of headed in some little. Yeah, really, yeah, a little like. <laughs> yeah. I was going to
1: well, even it, say snare drum, but that's not the right term. No, right? It is. That's right. Was, yeah, that t- it was okay. a snare, Yeah.
2: No, but that's the like he he does that same like really slow building mm-hmm. role. And it's the same thing as at the end right. in the mm-hmm. so, Wait, uh, Do you remember how the the, the like the yeah. framing shot? And it's like coming in well it's it's a long
1: narrow it's very interesting because it's it's a hallway and it's Mm -hmm. a long hallway and you see andrew just practicing alone in the distance and he's drumming and the cameras like it starts like you feel to me anyway it kind of conveys a certain claustrophobia Mm -hmm. but then also like a focus like the eye can't really wander anywhere in that framing it's it's all on you know and there's a focus and then it it brings you closer as the intensity mm-hmm. of the music ramps up and you get closer and it's really this like opening note of like some of the intensity that's going to be, you know, in, in, some of the, the focus and, and drive that, that Andrew mm-hmm. has. And um, that's key to the whole movie because if it's someone who's not Andrew Fletcher's stuff doesn't work. They, they just right. wilt, <laughs> or they don't, you know, even if they're super talented, they don't put up with the abuse, mm-hmm. right? No. So you don't even have a movie, like those two people never kind of coexist. And so, no. um, I don't know, like, like where, where do you want to start kind of as we take this apart? Because there's a lot there. Um, there's Andrew, there's Fletcher. I know I want to talk at some point about the relationship between Andrew and his dad. Mm, yeah. um, I think there's some interesting things the movie's saying with Andrew and Nicole, his kind of sort of girlfriend. The girlfriend yeah. um, there's Fletcher, <laughs> you know, obviously Andrew and Fletcher is the heartbeat of the movie, but um, I don't know.
2: Maybe we should just
1: talk about Andrew. First. All right. He's in every scene. Yeah, he's in every but, scene. Yeah
2: you want me to start? Yeah, I want you to or, start. Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, he's in every scene of the movie. Uh, that's number one. <laughs> he's a he's a boy. He's a boy. Uh, wow. Number two. He's an eek. Big music guy. Uh, yeah, <laughs> big <laughs> music guy. No, I mean... Yeah, it, it was interesting watching this. I think for the podcast, it might have only been like the second or third time that I've seen this. I guess we watched it together. So it's probably the third time. But this is one of those movies that I know I just really like. So I haven't watched it that many times. It's kind of like a special occasion watching it thing. Um, But it's fun to go... Why are you laughing here? It's fun to go back and watch it, knowing like having a little bit more history with it. Because I was able to just like not let all of the plot points and everything um, like take up as much of my brain space and watch more of the little interactions. Mm -hmm. And just Andrew as a person is really interesting because at first he doesn't even come off is that talented. Like he's, Mm -hmm. he's in this band, he's in whatever his class is. He, is he a first year or a second year? I forget. I think it's
1: his first year. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So
2: he's like just started. He's He's 19. Yeah. He's just in like normal classes, but it's not like he's, it's not like he came in and they're like, Oh, this guy is like a protege, like, or uh, like he's in some sort of genius. Like he's just kind of a normal kid, like (laughs) for all intents and purposes. Um, But then it's Fletcher who sees what's different about him and it's that drive. It's that like almost insanity that he has and the obsession like with drums, but also just to be great and to prove himself in a certain way. And it just happens to come out through jazz drumming. Um, And so I I think that's one of the things that's just super interesting about him is that he doesn't even come across as extraordinary at the beginning of the movie. He doesn't come across as anybody who it's like, if you didn't have an eye for it, you wouldn't necessarily pick him out and say like, oh, this kid's going to be. you think best. Fletcher
1: saw that in him
2: at first? The talent or the.
1: Yeah. Just what yeah, you describe. What
2: is Fletcher picking? Like. I think, it. I, I think, I mean, he's just, he's been doing it for a long time. So I'm guessing that he's able to see talent like, maybe talent that isn't quite there yet, but like potential for talent. But I think a lot of it is he's just, he picks up on somehow he's able to see that Andrew has that intensity and has that obsession and like wants to, or is willing to do whatever it takes to make himself great. And I think part of that is just, I think people that are alike can pick up on that in other people. And so I think Fletcher is able to like discern that in people, and, I, and I'm sure just him being a teacher for so long, he's able to read students. And so I, I think he picks up on those two things. That I think Andrew is talented, but he's not like extremely talented above everybody else coming in. But I, yeah, I think it's more of that obsession piece.
0: I I do think Fletcher like discovers that about him. I th- I think I saw it as like. Uh, Andrew's a young first year guy and he's like a, he's like a chess piece for the current player, the mm. uh, whatever they could start or uh, mm. anyway, the drum, what's his name? Carl. Carl. Um, he's Andrew is a way for Fletcher to needle Carl, but then as Fletcher, cause Fletcher picks it all of them. Mm-hmm. And as Fletcher continues to pick at Andrew, he sees like the, the kind of like quality or grit or focus of Andrew is kind of revealed as like Fletcher is poking at him. And I do agree with you. I think that he starts to see like, okay, this kid is different and I can push him in ways um, that he can't with the other kids. But uh, like one of the first things is Fletcher tells him, be here at six. Mm-hmm. Well, it's nine o'clock. I'm sure uh, most people he pulls that on, they're gone by the time nine o'clock shows up and he mm-hmm. shows up and they they probably think, oh, I must've gotten the time wrong or-
1: Or not. they yell at Fletcher or they're right. like, what the heck they is crack. this? Yeah. Or like, they show some trying, time. why yep. are you messing with me? That's not professional. You know, they're whining right. about it.
0: Yep. Yeah. yeah. And um, the way Andrew reacts to that is immediately unique. And so I think that's Fletcher's first kind of tell that, okay, let me keep an eye on this. And then, as he continues to test him and, and pull at him, uh, Fletcher to Andrew, I do think those things are revealed.
1: Yeah, I saw it that way too. Not that Fletcher saw genius in Andrew, but that I think Fletcher is someone who constantly tests everyone he's around yeah. <clears throat> and is doing micro tests all the time yeah. and is needling and pushing and then reading responses. Mm. Because his grid for how people get better is through being uncomfortable and yeah. that it like you know spurs and provokes you know more practice or that insecurity and fear mm. is a powerful motivator. Yeah. Uh it's kind of Fletcher's core thing. <laughs> and so he is constantly yeah and he's constantly um stacking the deck and in a range, right? Mm. Nothing's ever straight up. And so I agree like with Carl, like he's giving, you know, Andrew the music and letting him practice it. Mm. There's a certain core competency and he's testing him the first time, like show me double time swing, you know, and he's, you know, seeing how Andrew receives feedback, criticism, you know, how eager is he? And then I think he wanted to see cause of his experience and as a teacher and like talented ear and all that to see how he progresses from that moment. Mm. Is this kid living in the practice room or not? Uh, cause you know, I'm sure you could tell like, is he going to really put in the work and, and he did. And I think he saw that. And so, um, I just saw it, you know, not that you're wrong. And it's just, it's interesting. Like what, what draws that first interaction, um, but he even, like, you can tell, like, Fletcher knows the reputation he has. Like he even's like, like, do you know who I am? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's like, of course, right? And then Andrew's, like, yearning for approval. He wants an attaboy or a good job. He he, he knows, Andrew feels he's talented. Yeah. And I think that's a core part of him. Mm-hmm. And it's expressed in arrogance. Like, he knows he's good, and he yearns for everyone around him to think he's as good as he thinks he himself is. Mm-hmm. it's a it's an audio podcast of my pantomiming towards Ian is not uh picked up on the mic I suppose um no but but that's and Andrew lives in that space of on one side he can feel insecure Mm. because Fletcher drives him to that in despair On the other side, like he's very, he's the youngest person, you know, in the best music school in the whole country and he knows he's good and he yearns to be even better. Like it's not just that he's satisfied with being good and, um, I think a lot is revealed about Andrew in the the dinner scene yeah, with the cousins. I, thinking, I know that's yeah. a favorite. Um, so yeah, like like what what, what do we learn or what did you see in Andrew?
2: Well, I think you just see a lot of you get a lot of his backstory in that, with, which is really impressive. I mean, it's a pretty short scene that's the only scene that you see like any of his extended family. But you just get a lot from that. (laughs) Like you really get the whole vibe of like the family and how he grew up and Mm. the relationships that he has with the different people at the table. Um, And most of it is like condescending one way or the other. So he's looking down on them because... Like his, I guess it's his cousin's play D3 football. <laughs> yeah. And he's just like that. I'll forget
1: to model you in.
2: Yeah. yeah it's like, <laughs> there's so many. I love that. He's like, come play with us. Those words that you'll never hear from the NFL. <laughs> it's like their, their like exchange is so funny. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's looking down on them. Cause he's like, you guys aren't even, even at what you think you're good at, you're right. not actually even good at. Right. Uh, but then they don't they look down on him because they're like, at one point somebody's like, oh, like, how's your how's your drumming stuff going, Andrew? <laughs> and he's like, oh, great. Actually, I'm at like the best band in the best school or whatever. Right. And he kind of says this whole thing. You can tell he's like hesitant about it, but also he's really proud of it. Mm-hmm. But, and it's just like not received at all. Like everybody's like, okay, great, whatever. And so I think you can see how that, the everything that you were talking about, Tim, like the want to be recognized and and even just his uh, view of himself, you see all of that in that scene and at that dinner table. Um, and even just like the contention and how how okay he is with being uncomfortable and making other people uncomfortable,
1: mm-hmm.
2: which is very, <laughs> he's very okay with it.
1: Yeah, right. And, and it, like at one point, one of the uncles is like, you know, Kind of, you got a lot of friends there, yeah, Andrew. Yeah. You know? And Andrew, like, kind of dis- disdainful of even the idea of friends. It's just like, who needs friends? Like, yeah, I'm after grain. Yeah, right. he, he didn't care about being liked. And he, there's like a barely simmering under the surface, just disgust and just being condescending towards like the simpletons in his view. And he's pissed off. Like, if he was an athlete. It would be like he's like this, you know, the, the right. starting quarterback at Alabama or mm-hmm. something. Right. Like he's like at that level, and at that dinner table, the Division three nobody quarterback gets like a lot of oohs and ahs, and he, whose talent outpaces any of those, it's just in a discipline that nobody respects, yeah. and that pisses him off. Cause mm-hmm. It's not even that he's defensive of the music. Mm-hmm. It's that he wants to be recognized for how great he thinks he is. And so it's the edges come out because he is prickly towards them and they're prickly back because they don't get it. They're just reacting because Andrew's being, you right. know. but mm-hmm. Andrew's out of the vibe, but Andrew wants to be out of the vibe because he doesn't want to be in a vibe that doesn't appreciate greatness mm-hmm. and, and music, you know. And it's a small thing, but I love how, like, they're having these back and forth, um, you know, and, and this is where it, the movie really does get at, like, the idea of, like, what is greatness? Mm-hmm. And, like, Andrew defines greatness as, you know, is it Buddy Rich or... I names. Charlie Parker. There's a buddy. bird. Yeah. There's a... Tra- yeah. yeah. Charlie Parker's the bird. Mm-hmm. Okay. But this idea of, like, we're still, like, at this table, we're talking about him. Mm-hmm. None of us knew him but his talent, his music like lives on to be appreciated for generations to come. Like that is what Andrew wants. And his dad's this picture of like, like greatness is like your friends and family and who you love mm-hmm. and who you nurture and who's gonna actually care about you and remember you when you're gone. And it, it really does set up that there's two ways of looking yep. at it. There's two kind of people. and when Andrew's being all prickly and, and combative with his cousins and his uncle, um, Andrew's dad kind of slips in and he he says, have you heard from Lincoln Center? And it's just, he, mm-hmm. he's grabbing Andrew's like, feet and he's putting them right back on the ground. Like, you're not as good as you think you mm-hmm. are. You're not the quarterback at Alabama. I'm like, maybe, you know, you will be what you think you are one day, but yeah. Lincoln Center ain't there. Like, you're not there yeah. yet. And let's, you know, because... The benefit of uh, Andrew's position, he's mad that no one knows music and doesn't appreciate him, but he gets to glide by because nobody knows music, so they can't actually expose his weaknesses. Mm -hmm. And so he's a little bit, he gets to live in this space where he can kind of push at people, but he doesn't, no one can really intelligently critique him because they don't understand music. They're not into it. But your dad's your dad. (laughs) You know, and it's like I don't know that, that Paul Reiser, like the, the dad character, is necessarily like a qualified musician. He's,
0: but it's just he say he's like a high school. Music he's a high teacher, school uh, literature a, teacher, yeah. like yeah. an English he's, teacher. He's a writer. Yeah, he's a writer. writer. He says he's a writer.
1: That's he's right. a writer. That's right. But it's just like it's your kid. He bought him his first drum set. Yep. He took him to recitals. He, yep. you know, what your kids are into, you're into to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. And so he, the way he delivers that line, it's 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 gentle because his whole character is this picture of like love and gentleness yep. and concern, but it has an edge to it and it's his way. He didn't want to embarrass him necessarily, but he's yeah. also calling him out in front of everybody of right. like, has Lincoln center called. And it's like, Andrew needs that mm-hmm. too. Cause it's youthful. And when they're watching the movie at the very beginning of the movie, um, I think <laughs> I'm all stirred up. Cause <laughs> like you're saying, Ian, like when you don't have the plot to worry about, like, this most recent time I really watched this through the lens of Andrew and his dad and mm-hmm. Andrew and Nicole. It's mm. it's just I don't know, I, I watched it through that lens. So in the beginning, Andrew and dad, when they're in the the movie, his dad says to Andrew, like, when you get to my age, you get perspective. Because mm-hmm. he's kinda complaining about school and how hard it is, you know. Mm. And there is like when you're you know, his what, probably in his early fifties or so, whatever that character mm-hmm. is. Um you kind of get a picture of like the things that drive you (laughs) when you're in your late teens or 20s and you're trying to establish yourself as a young man. And then being an older man who's raised a family, who's had a career, who's seen up and down and is like on the other side of that, there's a hard one perspective there. And I think he looks at Andrew and sees the things you're chasing after. (laughs) Mm -hmm. They might lead to certain places, but it's all gonna end in heartache in some way, shape or form. And it's it's this wrestling, this classic father son, and it's it's not necessarily depicted in the movie. You don't see a ton of their dispute. It's mostly Fletcher and, and Andrew. But there's this like loving concern, father to son, where the father knows things that he knows he can't explain to yeah. Andrew, that Andrew's gonna have to live and experience and taste for himself. And I think it's fascinating. I, I really love the depiction of it.
2: Yeah, because you see, I think it was from that conversation whenever they're in the movie, but doesn't he say something like, like they're basically there, I think like there's no other options or something or like they're, he's like, I don't want perspective. Like, I don't want what you're talking about. (laughs) Like this is what I want and this is what I'm going to be great after. Yeah. I
1: have the ability to be great. The only thing that's standing between me and greatness is work. I'm Mm -hmm. willing to put in the work and he's Mm -hmm. happy to do that. Yeah.
2: And you see, so you see some of that like generational divide that is like common Mm -hmm. for every generation, which is, it, it paints that really well. But then you get more of this, like he is actually willing to do that. Whereas a lot of people kind of have those ideas and then aren't necessarily willing to put in the work. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of, I think, ends up probably for the best for most people. But he has, for whatever reason, he has it in him to actually do the things that he needs to do to become great, mm-hmm. or at least to push himself so that he can, he'll actually figure out if he can become great. Whereas most people give up at some point before that because they do end up valuing something else. Like they, they kind of fall on one side of the spectrum or the other one. But I, I, I was thinking about, um, Right before you said it, I was thinking about that same thing, like at the dinner table, what they were talking about. And I think that is interesting because I think a lot of times it's just easy for us to fall in the middle. Like if you have those two spectrums or like two ends of the spectrum of like, okay, one side is like being remembered, but you die alone and, you know, overdosing at like 35 or whatever they say. And then the other side of the spectrum is like total obscurity, except for, like, your family and your friends who love you and care about you. I, it's just easy, I think, to live somewhere in the middle, like, not yeah. to really make a decision on that of, like, what actually is valuable. So you kind of end up doing what's easy. Like, you might trace some of that fame and, like, the hard work and everything until it gets too hard, and then you'll, like, drift towards, like, oh, family is actually important. But it, like, it might just be because it's a little bit easier and a little bit, like, on, like maybe I'm on par with like what other people are doing. So I think it's an interesting idea, even if like we would all kind of say like, oh yeah, we fall on one side of that spectrum. I think it's an interesting question for everybody to ask and to think like, do you actually value the things that you say that you value? Mm-hmm. As I think that's, uh, I, I think it's just, a, it's easy to fall into whatever life is kind of easiest, you know, depending on your upbringing and your, I don't know, your uh, wiring and whatnot. I
0: do think there's an element of age to that mm-hmm. as well, where I, I do think it's common as a young person to, you have, you have those desires in some, I think everyone to some degree has, you know, not everyone wants to be the, you know, starting quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys, but it's like you go to any kindergarten and you have like career day mm-hmm. and it's all like president, quarterback of this NFL team. Like there's very few kids who are like, you know, uh, sorry, Charles, accountants. Here, <laughs> right, you know, like, yeah. It's not, Dang. <laughs> you know, but-
1: um, You could have at least said writing code. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's what I thought you were going to say. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, and I remember feeling that way as a, as a young person, like there's these big things like I want to do. And I think like, th- like you're describing Ian, like there, there is an element of like settling and most people, like you were saying, Tim, with the sports thing, like I immediately thought of sports when I watched this, cause mm-hmm. this story is like told over and over again mm-hmm. in sports. And those are the special athletes. They're the ones who have this exact story that plays out in whiplash. And um, I know for me, you know, I really like sports and it was, you know, I didn't even get through high school before I kind of realized like, yeah, I'm not willing to like do that kind of work. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, and it's funny cause I never, I didn't have a coach that was like to the level of um, Fletcher, but that's a very common kind of approach in sports. And it just didn't register with me. I was mm. like, I'm not going to, like, I know what you're doing. I'm not going to respond to it. Like, I don't want to, you know. But it's funny because now being older, I don't feel like I've settled. And I really value, like, being a dad and a husband. And, like, I look forward to one day, like, being a grandfather. And it's like, I like being an uncle, Um and it's like, I wouldn't trade those, like now where I sit now, like I wouldn't trade those things for millions and fame and the ability to fly a private jet, like anywhere I wanted to in the world. Like, I'm just kind of like, I really like taking my kids to the pool mm-hmm. and like it, I don't know how to d- directly put my finger on it, but like it, it doesn't feel like settling to me. And I don't think that's like a coping, like, well, that you're saying that cause you
1: didn't make it. like Right. Yeah. See now, we're we're crossing streams because it's well established in this podcast. <laughs> I love Whiplash. I love La La Land. They're both yeah. Damien Chazelle films. Yeah. They're his first and second films, and that's my thing with La La Land. It's mm. to me that it's exposing exactly that mm. where. Um, Sebastian and Mia are buying into this lie that you can either pursue your dream or you can pursue a relationship, mm. but you can't have both. Mm. And like Sebastian believed that so much that he told her to go to Paris yep. and we're not even going to try. Right. And there's jazz in Paris and, right. and the alternate ending of that movie shows this vision, version of the future where they stay together and they both still achieve their dreams. Right. Um, and it's there's a, like a false choice that somehow mm. with' like you have to have a a single mindedness, yeah, and only that single mindedness will get you to that level and you see Andrew believe exactly that when he goes to Nicole yeah. and he breaks it off and he it's amazing the um, I try to write it down um, yeah, he says uh they're in the the restaurant. <laughs> Um, and he says, I want to be one of the greats. And she says, and I would stop you from doing that? And he says, yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. And if you do see, and she says, if you do see me, you treat me like crap because I'm some girl who doesn't know what she wants. And You have a path. You're going to be great, and I'm going to be forgotten, and therefore you won't be able to give me the time of day because you have bigger things to pursue. It's kind of like this kind of crushing, you know, And he looks at her and he says, that is exactly my point. (laughs) Like he agrees with it. Yeah. And that's exactly it. Mm -hmm. And I was mentioned a few minutes ago, I really watched this movie, Keyed In on the dad and Nicole, and I was actually charting it. Like you see Nicole, she's working in the movie theater and Andrew kind of goes to the movie with the dad and sees her and then doesn't say anything and goes with his dad. And then he has that initial thing with Fletcher and gets bumped up to studio band. Mm-hmm. And then he goes and asks her out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like the two are correlated. Like yep. he he gets a measure of professional success and he has the confidence that they're yep. an her. And then when Fletcher starts messing with him and, and he, you know, is, is getting, you know, drilled and all that stuff, like he gets demoted basically, that's when he breaks up with her. Mm-hmm. And then at the very end, it's just like, he hadn't even seen it. Like they had this ugly breakup. I mean, they weren't even together that long. It's so strange. It's so yeah. bad. Yeah. But it's, he has that meeting with Fletcher in the jazz club and thinks he's going to be a professional now, has his ticket back to the big time and right. then calls her back up. Like mm. his confidence and attitude towards her rises and falls based yep. on his self-perception. And it shows that his self-worth is tied to his, his musical success. Mm. And he feels confident when he's doing well. And he, you know, he's on that roller coaster. Yeah. And it's exactly the perspective the dad kind of mm-hmm. sees coming and gently wants to get him off that roller coaster. And right. it's exactly the, the kind of yep. thing that, that we're talking about, you know, bringing in La La Land or bringing in this idea that you can't have both. But when you tie your self-worth to your performance right. and then you tie your ability to love and care for someone else With how you value yourself, that is a very crazy up and down, but it's not conducive to happiness. Yeah, it's interesting because,
0: and I I know there are exceptions. I know there are people with probably great families and things. But when you look at like the highest levels of like business, sports, acting, entertainment... um, it almost does take such a like just a maniacal like drive and focus, like you don't see very many like happy family endings mm-hmm. you know they they tend to like there tend to be a, tends to be a lot of divorce, a lot of kids who just don't turn out well, and um but yeah, thinking of la la land, it's like yeah, I don't know if it's like I said, I know surely someone's done it. <laughs> But can you be Michael Jordan? Can you be Kobe Bryant, and and have the family? Or does it take someone who's able to say, "You know what? I'm happy being a professional, but mm-hmm. playing in China." The one, three, yeah, like,
1: yeah, no, this is this is this is good. Um, the one example I always come back to uh-huh. is that I remember reading an interview, gosh, probably twenty years ago. Um, but Jack Nicholas, the golfer, mm. um, you know, he had all kinds of success. You know, yep. all time majors winner, all that stuff. And then Tiger Woods was making his mm. splash on the scene and destroying records, dominating yep. golf. And Nicholas was—I read this interview. Like, I think Tiger was in like his late twenties, and Nicholas was saying how important he thought it mm-hmm. would be for Tiger to find a wife and have kids yeah. and settle down. Um, because how key it would be for his longevity. Because mm-hmm. Nicholson, Nicholas, uh, maintained, <laughs> I know, I always do John that, yeah. Yeah. maintained his success yeah. like through his 30s. Mm-hmm. I think he even won his last one at like 46 yeah. or something. Um, and he credited a lot of that because mm. as a young man, you have that drive, you practice till your hands bleed. Right. But at some point, mm. like, you're still human Mm -hmm. and you still yearn for certain things and you have desires. And and as you kind of get out of young man mode and into middle-aged man mode, Nicholas had lived that and and saw the value of being grounded Mm -hmm. and and being pulled out of that world to to not burn out. And it's interesting now. I remember reading that contemporaneously and I still think about that every now and Mm. then because we sit now seeing how Tiger's real life career and things like he didn't go that direction. Right and actually burn out in mm-hmm. a lot of, you know, there's only, mm-hmm. there's something about, I don't know. Like, I think you're right. I think for some people it does mean giving up the tip top of professional success, but mm. it, 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 it's a fascinating question to me. Yeah. It's the first time I watched whiplash. It's what I mean. I was filling my wife's ears with all, like, I kept talking <laughs> about Michael Jordan yeah. and how like maniacal he was and like, how, like like we know, like his dad was like a Fletcher type. He, yeah. he would withhold affection based mm-hmm. on who among the Jordan brothers won in the backyard, right. like little basketball games mm-hmm. and would praise and withhold affection and do all that kind of mm-hmm. crazy stuff. And it helped develop that like maniacal competitiveness Jordan was famous for. Um, But it kind of ruined his life personally. It, it drove him to great heights professionally. Mm-hmm. But then as consumers or, or as just on the sidelines, people like my life's better for having yeah. to see Michael Jordan play basketball. It yeah. was amazing, right? Yeah. Like if you love sports or things played at a high level, like no one's done it better. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, artists or musicians or these right. things that, that really like, we can sometimes benefit from the suffering of others in this way. Mm. Um, And so I think that's an interesting question. And then the Mm -hmm. question you're getting at, Aaron, of like, is it necessary? That's a path. Is it the path? And that's a very scary thing. If your heart is set on professional success in these very narrow, right, like at the tip tops of these ultra competitive, ultra lucrative, you know, professions or, or like it takes elite skill with elite drive to maximize that mm-hmm. skill. Like it's hard not to have that be your identity. Yeah. And if that's your identity, it's hard not to work as hard as the people you're seeing around you, even if they're working to like a counterproductive way. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm asking a lot of questions and not offering a lot of answers, yeah. but that's what I love about this movie. It examines that. Well, and I think about this a lot
0: like, having kids because it's like, I want to help my kids. I want to love them well. I want to guide them well. And, you know, I don't, I don't think any of my kids will become Michael Jordan. Like that's, that's a pretty astronomical like odds, but like when you love someone and like you desire to see them, um, maybe like maximize is the right word. Just Mm -hmm. like just kind of like maximize their life, like experience all that's available to them. Um, What is the best way to like love them through that, you know, and um, I have more questions than answers as well.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's a really interesting question. I mean, I think whenever I first saw this, that's what drew me in. I mean, at least as far as like you watch the movie and it's really intense and it's really well done but then I think it's one of those movies that lasts and like that sits with you because it does ask those questions of like, well, was Fletcher wrong? Like our good job. Are those the two most dangerous words of the <laughs> English language? Like he says, like, is he right in saying that the only way or the best way to motivate people is by telling them like that they're bad. Like there's a, there's a climber, um, I forget what her name is right now, but there's some girl and at home or like her home gym whenever she was um, training and she was a kid, they had this sign over the door that just said like, you suck, try harder. And she, <laughs> has, it, she has it tattooed like on her thigh or something, just like you suck, try harder. Uh-huh. And it's, it's really interesting because like a lot of, she's gotten a lot of um, pushback for that. Just in like, people are like, that's not healthy. Like, what are you teaching <laughs> yeah. people? Like all this stuff. Yeah. And she's like, I don't, like, I didn't, I don't think about it that hard. Like for me, it's just, yeah. it was like kind of this thing of whenever I was a kid and it like, it motivates me and it helped me become mm-hmm. who I am and it helped me get to where I'm at right now. Um. I did, yeah. It's, and I think it's just an interesting question. There's
1: so many. Go, go all in, Ian. I well, want to hear. <laughs> I want to hear the defense of Fletcher. The defense of Fletcher?
2: Well, I mean, (laughs) (laughs) just do it. I know you want to go full Fletcher. The defense of Ian. (laughs) (laughs)
1: I'm
2: not going full Fletcher, but I do. The reason I think this is a really good movie is because it's asking these questions in a way that is actually compelling. Like it's asking them in a way that feels like you could answer it or different people could answer it in different ways depending on what their motivations were and what they wanted to get to. Mm. And I think that's why it's interesting because it feels like it's a genuine question. Like a lot of of stories that we tell in a lot of movies that we watch, and I think for good reason, are kind of asking these rhetorical questions and they're just playing out these stories to show something that we already know. Mm. But I think this is asking this question almost in a genuine sense of like, is it better? Like with Michael Jordan, you can, you can play it out and say like, well, it probably wasn't healthy for him to grow up the way that he did, but is that worth it? Like, does he think it was worth it? Is it worth it for other people? Would he take it back if he could? You know, those are all genuinely pretty interesting questions. I mean, I think as Christians, like from a biblical perspective um, that there's definitely going to be some influence to that answer. Um, But I think if you're just asking the question in general, I think a lot of people are going to answer it differently and they're going to have probably pretty strong opinions uh, about on either side. I think.
1: That doesn't sound like a full fledged defense (laughs) of Fletcher. I know.
2: I said I wasn't going to do a full defense of Fletcher.
1: (laughs) I'm so disappointed.
2: <laughs> Trying to work on my PR. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's
0: interesting. And, and he's an interesting character because I wrestle with like, I believe that works. And I believe there's real cases. Like you said, Michael Jordan, um, so many athletes, this climber you're talking about. Um, but I almost wonder like, is it irrelevant because that's only going to work on the people who are wired a certain way that like, would that person with Andrew's focus and drive and intensity, would they have not made it anyway? And it's like Fletcher has real um, effect on him. It's not that his effect isn't real or felt, um, but is it just that that is the, I don't know the right word, like, but that just happens to be the stimulus that he used at that time. But because of how he's wired and how he's driven, it could have been any, any number of like stimuli. Um, Cause there's, that story is common, but there's also great variety within that yeah. story. Like I know Kobe Bryant, his dad was this professional basketball player. And, but he played in Italy, and it was Kobe coming back to the US around the high school age and like feeling behind and embarrassed mm. by how, it, how, how advanced he felt all the other players were ahead of him that kind of like ignited this drive in him. Like, mm. I've, I've seen interviews of him where he talks about looking at them and saying, okay, they're better. Like, he, he, in ninth grade, he couldn't dunk. He's, he comes to the US, all these ninth graders can dunk, and he's just like, whoa, like, I'm behind. And what he told himself was, they can dunk, they can do all these things better than me. None of them will be able to outwork me. And he had this belief that he could work harder. That's the one thing he could control. He could work harder than everyone. And eventually he would pass them. And he did, he, he passed a lot of people. Um, so I don't know. I guess I'm just trying to sketch out like, I do believe like Fletcher and that type is, a, is an effective stimulus for someone like Andrew. But I don't know that it's necessary. If, if you are wired that way, I think you will find, it's like Michael Jordan, like inventing yeah. night after night. Like he would invent like slights and things, that, mm-hmm. even things that people didn't even say. And he's admitted this, like, he's like, I would just make them up. <laughs> So that I would could go out there and crush them, and I I, I feel so Andrew's funny. that way. I think he, yes, he grabs onto the slights. He wow. also seems like the type who would invent them if he needed to.
1: Mm-hmm. I guess it comes to me to make the full throat <laughs> <laughs> in. Mean, Someone has do, to do it. Yeah. You do look the most like him. I, so <laughs> yeah. Maybe it's only fitting. <laughs> I can't deny it. Um, <laughs> No, I, 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 that's what I love. I'm fascinated by motivation. Mm. And I think what you're saying, Aaron, is that there's a correlation between hard work and success if there's talent, right? right. It, with equal talent, the harder worker wins and hard work can even, you know, uh, equalize or, or let the less talented one. And there's such a thing as squandering talent by not working and, and cultivating and developing. Um, so the question becomes then what motivates you to work to that level to, Mm -hmm. you know, there's sort of hard work, even like, like a lot of these like high school kids when they go to like college programs and sports, like they think they know what hard work is. And then it's like part of that acclimation process is like, you have to redefine what you think is hard work. Mm -hmm. Cause you were working hard at a high school level Mm -hmm. is working hard at the college level. And then the pro level is even more hard Mm -hmm. work. Right. So what, what do you do? And, and I think what Fletcher has figured out is that fear (laughs) and insecurity is a powerful motivator and sports has figured that out. Mm. And when people have their identity and then you threaten it, some people will paralyze and wash out. And that's what you're saying. And that's, I think a valid criticism of Fletcher's approach is that you're washing out otherwise good people. Never mind the fact that this is toxic. Like I'm not when I'm saying <laughs> yeah. defending. I, like the the things he's saying, there's no excuse. You yeah. shouldn't you They're know go bad. after people's. He's he's he takes delight in yeah. in the creativity in the yeah. mm-hmm. I'm big and you're small. You're in my world and I'm god of my world. Like he takes delight. He. I think my read on Fletcher is I think he genuinely loves jazz mm-hmm. and I think he genuinely loves music mm-hmm. and I think he genuinely loves teaching. And I think he genuinely wants to serve jazz by nurturing and cultivating and gifting like a unique talent. And so yeah. when they're in that bar scene and he's kind of bearing his soul in that, like I think all that's genuine mm-hmm. and I think Fletcher, the way flawed humans do, you can have pure motives, but then your sinful tendencies get mixed in and he has an ego and he thinks very highly of himself, right? Andrew has an ego. Andrew thinks very highly. I think Fletcher knows how to push Andrew's buttons because Fletcher and Andrew have overlap in their buttons. And I think that's what makes that, that bar scene so interesting mm-hmm. is when you compare it to the, the family dinner scene, where Andrew felt completely misunderstood by every other person there, but those people loved him and cared about him in the way the family does, but he was misunderstood and he felt mm-hmm. alienated. The scene with Fletcher, it's the first time he feels perfectly understood. It's the complete like, you know, inverse or, or like flip side of the family dinner scene where this guy who's tormented him (laughs) cost him great pain, great loss, great. I mean, really messed him up. This is after the car accident, after he gets kicked out of school, his whole dreams are are tattered and in ruins. And there's a certain warmth that Andrew, he's very hesitant at first. He tries to slip out Fletcher, you know, and they get each other Mm -hmm. and Andrew feels understood. And Andrew is even gravitating towards this man who has done some really horrible things. And Mm -hmm. I think that tells you something. Um, And so I think Fletcher, there's a way of writing, and that's why I admire this movie so much, where that character is just one-dimensional. He's a monster. Mm -hmm. He's an egomaniac monster, and he Mm -hmm. just loves destroying kids because he's a small man with like a big platform, and he has the ability to do it, and he does it for sport. But that's not quite Fletcher. And and he does it... Mm -hmm. (laughs) But there's underneath all of that, I think he's not all the way wrong and that no one has ever achieved anything in that kind of hard work round without being pushed along mm-hmm. the way. Yeah. Like you have to be put, if, if everyone is allowed to say and set their own levels of like what work is or what mm-hmm. achievement is, and it's entirely subjective and entirely self-determined, you wouldn't we tend to be capable of much more than we think, mm-hmm. and so there's such a thing as as the toxic version of that and Fletcher certainly veers very comfortably into that territory, but the kernel of his philosophy i don 't think is inherently wrong um, and I think like his desire to to bring about that is genuine, and I think Andrew it's just so interesting <laughs> in the beginning, like when Fletcher's being nice to Andrew, when he first calls him up to studio band and he even is just like, Oh, it's something to the effect of like, we have a prodigy in our mist or something. It isn't, it's not exactly those words, but it's in that vibe. Um, and he's very nice. And then he, he calls a little break and he sidles up to Andrew in the hallway. And he's just like, so do you have music in your family? And he's, being nice gets Andrew's defenses down, but he's pulling for information. It's like he, he learns in that conversation that mom left the house super young, so he's abandoned by his mother, raised by his father. Well, what's your dad? Oh, well, what college does he teach at, right? Well, no, he's a high school teacher, and Fletcher, you know, is just being... And you see Andrew's feeling shame for his father. Like, there's nothing wrong with being a high school teacher, but Andrew is being led by Fletcher to feel shame for it, like you know, what books has he written? What, you know, oh, he's high school teacher of the year. And I'm like, Fletcher doesn't care about that. Mm-hmm. But he's cultivating that in Andrew too, because he knows Andrew also looks at his dad and maybe loves his dad and appreciates his dad, but doesn't look at his dad as someone to emulate. Mm. Um, and so the same insecurities, the same drive, the same thirst, Andrew's the perfect, like, candidate to be pushed that way. And Fletcher... He, he falls into the trap that I think it's very human, and I think a lot of us fall into where he creates for himself this uh, unfalsifiable like place. So he, uh, the way like we, we usually say it is Fletcher, I think, judges himself by his intentions and he judges other people by their actions. And so in Fletcher's world with himself, his intentions are pure because he's wanting good things for jazz and he's wanting greatness. So He's, he's willing to like be the hard guy because he loves music and he loves these musicians enough to try to demand it. But it's a, it's a, what's the, I'm blanking on the, it's like circular reasoning Yeah, where it's, I'm going to be this way. And if you crack, you were never, you never had the goods. Right. Um, and he, he's not humble enough or he's not open to introspection enough. and He's not open to the possibility that maybe that hard drill sergeant thing works for a certain, yeah. it's a path, but not right. the path. Right. And that other people respond differently. Mm-hmm. He sees it as you have to be hard and you have to be forged in this fire. And he's going to create the fire and he's going to create the conditions for the forging. And if you crack, you never had it to begin with. So better to find out now than to find out later. And so he sees it as like a pre-screening thing that he's just, and it just happens to be fun, and it just happens to to suit him. But there's no self doubt in yeah, him, and that's his He doesn't his see flaw. any
2: other right. paths to greatness. He only sees yep. that one single path. He
1: doesn't he doesn't value any other path towards greatness. He almost like fetishizes it, right? Mm-hmm. Like the pain and the yep. and actually was super curious. So I went and looked it up because I wanted to see if it was true. (laughs) All the stuff he's, he valorizes Uh that thing with, with the bird and Uh, having the symbols. Uh It happened, but not the way he says it. Mm -hmm. Um, It wasn't because he was playing bad and one of the musicians threw it at him and he felt bad and he went and he practiced harder. And a year later, like was awesome. Mm they did it because the real story is in the band, they thought he was young and arrogant and like showboating. And so to show their displeasure, he was always really, yeah. And they weren't disputing his talent. They just thought he wasn't playing collaboratively. And so they threw the symbol to show like, we're not going to like sit here while you do all this. Mm. Like you're violating kind of what we're doing. Um, And I actually like that that's the true story. And like the movie, whether the movie treats that, it doesn't matter. I think it's besides the point because Fletcher believes it to be true. But it makes more sense if the real story is not. And Fletcher has over time (laughs) twisted twisted that Uh story to fit his preferred narrative. That's real. And that's exactly how human beings are. And Fletcher lives in a place where he has unquestioned power. Nobody in that conservatory. I know he got fired eventually, but like, in his classroom, he's God. He he has unchallengeable authority. He because he, he wins awards, mm-hmm. so you can see the school clearly. You know, yeah. it's just like a football coach who wins championships. You know, as long as you're not like flagrantly violating the law, <laughs> they more or less leave you alone. Yeah. And that's Fletcher. And and when you live in that space, it's unhealthy because you get warped perceptions. Mm. Um, and so it's not a defense of Fletcher. Like like he does a lot of bad things. It's not a defense of him in the movie, but. I find it very human and he's not as like irredeemably like monstrous Mm. as I think maybe at first pass it would be. I think there's a kernel or many kernels of good things that have been drowned out by the weight of his own ego. And like at some point he lost, he didn't lose his love of music, but his love of music and his love of himself (laughs) like commingled such that what he thought automatically was right and good for jazz yeah. and that's where it takes a toxic turn. Temper- but how you can see that everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pastors at mega churches, you know, politicians, business leaders, you know, anyone who's powerful and has unchallengeable authority. Even if they started in a pure place, it it gets commingled and it leads to to abuse, honestly. Well,
2: yeah, and the sad part is you don't even have to look that high up to see yeah. that. You see yeah. that it doesn't have to be a huge amount of power. You see that all over the place like high school teachers or yeah, high mm-hmm. school like football coaches or whatever. Mm-hmm. Even if they're not anywhere close to making anybody great, like it because it's more about the mentality right. than it is about the actual magnitude. Of what they're doing or what they think that they're doing,
1: mm-hmm. um,
2: but yeah, I totally agree. I think that he's an interesting character because he's compelling. Like he he does have a love of jazz, and he has this like pure love of of music that, or like it's not really pure. I, it's hard to say if it is still pure if it's been. Like too far merged what you're saying with his own pride. I, I think it
1: is though because of the ending. Yeah, we can talk right. about that yeah. when we're ready. Yeah, but yeah, uh huh. Yeah, uh-huh.
2: yeah, yeah. And, and so like he comes. It's hard to even say like he comes from a good place, but he just has really high-minded intentions. And in some ways, that's good. We talked a little bit about that with Ratatouille, but which is, that's what I was thinking of the whole time you were talking or at least towards the end there. Um, because he's, he's very much like a, an ego an anti ego oh, yeah. character, but he has these like this drive towards perfection that in a way, and I think this is part of what like draw. I really like those types of characters because in a way it is really good. Like if, God is perfect and like it perfect in this way that we almost can't understand because it's so far above us. Like, we should be pushing towards greatness mm-hmm. in certain ways. Like, I don't think God just says, like, oh, okay, well, yeah, it's totally fine for you to, you know, do whatever you want and like just live this life that's like totally mediocre. Like, God doesn't want us to do that because he's not like that and he wants us to be like him. But then there are just there's so many ways that those things lines can get blurred and they can get crossed and but the like you're saying that kernel like the starting point or at least somewhere along the line there is this motivation and you see something that's not what it could be and you want to make it better or you want to see it like meet its full potential or grow into its full potential and Fletcher has that and so yeah I I think that that's why he's a compelling character and that's why he doesn't come across as like this totally just like crazy person like he's Mm -hmm. not just unhinged Mm -hmm. like in some ways he is but but he has this goal that I think a lot of us would either agree with or say that we agree with and you could almost argue that he's just the one who's willing to do what it takes to actually reach that goal. Whereas like a lot of people aren't, mm-hmm. which is, that's why I was kind of saying at the beginning, like, I think it's so important to know where you're at on that spectrum of what do you actually value? Cause otherwise it's really easy to slide in between like you were saying Arian, like, all the stuff that you were talking about that you value now, that's not settling at all. But I think it's because you've kind of made the decision of like, these are the things that I value and this is why I value those things. But if you don't make that decision intentionally, it's just, it's really easy to be uh, just to be tossed around a lot by different Mm -hmm. motivations. Super interesting. He's uh, that's one of my favorite types of characters in movies.
1: Yeah, no, definitely. And I, I think his character is really rounded out. And
2: also his head.
1: His head is very round, <laughs> very shiny. Um, I like the way the ending is. Yeah. And it's like not through a lot of dialogue, but through just the way he, he is. Um,
2: yeah, the switch that you see that he makes in the that, that end is really interesting. And I think it does show where he's at still.
1: Yeah, so, so just to set it up and, and jump in, because I don't want to dominate this, but, right, so the, the, the end sets up when they're all post Schaefer, right? Uh, Fletcher's fired, Andrew's kicked out, they have this chance meeting in the jazz club. Fletcher's leading a professional band before this very influential panel of people who can get you jobs in the music scene of New York. Um, and so... He offers, you know, he he tells Andrew, my drummer's not cutting it. You know the sheets. Like, I'm offering you. He's very, like, reconciling, very, you know, doesn't let on that he knows Andrew ratted him out. Um, And so Andrew gets practicing, right? And, you know, fast forward. They're in front of this, doing this concert. They get out on stage Andrew thinks it's one song, and it's the other. And Fletcher comes up. Yeah, he comes over and, and just twists yeah. the knife. And Andrew, I knew it was you. Yeah. I forget the exact. Probably mm-hmm. some inappropriate words. <laughs> yeah, because well, yeah,
2: yeah. I think he says something like, "How could you think I didn't know yeah. it was you?" Like yeah.
1: it was a hundred percent spite. Yeah, it was malintentioned, pure getting back at the guy. Very opportunistic. And it was to bury Andrew once and for all. It was to humiliate, to, at the point of humiliating himself. That's what I was going to say, yeah. because his. But I think he's taking the calculated risk of if everyone else in the band sounds good and the drummer's just way off, I think Fletcher feels like he can take that hit. Mm-hmm. Um, and he is burying Andrew once and for all. And they go, and you have this super awkward sequence where Andrew's just way, he doesn't know the song, and he's flailing all the other band members are like, what the heck are you doing? And you just feel it. It's very, it's just very visceral. And Andrew kind of walks off stage broken and he's just shattered. He knows he'll never make it at this point. His name is forever tarnished. And you have this embrace with his dad and his dad's just like, let's get away from this monster once and Mm -hmm. for all. He's embracing him. And that could have been the end of the movie, honestly. And it would have been very faithful. (laughs) That would have been an outcome. But, you hear Fletcher in the background getting the band ready for the second song. and He kind of makes an excuse, or kind of—I forget exactly—but he kind of glosses over it. And Andrew like summons something from deep within, right? And he marches back out on the stage, and then he takes control and he starts playing a song that's not what Fletcher is saying. He tells the bass to to cue in, and he starts playing. And you see Fletcher mad, but Fletcher's also. It's going, Fletcher can't stop it, he can't control it. And he, you know, it's kind of Andrew getting back at him. And they go and they do that song, and it's great. But then the song ends, and then Andrew just keeps going. And he's right. And Fletcher, what, what I love, and you can go back and watch the, the scene in Fletcher's progression, because he starts out pure spite, pure antagonistic, mm-hmm. pure malintention. And then once Andrew gets going, he moves from that to like, confused. he's mad that he's lost control, that Andrew's kind mm-hmm. of, you know, it's getting away from him. And then he moves to confuse. Like, mm-hmm. why are you drunk? Yeah. Like, what are you doing? you're not even hurting me right now. You're like, this is weird. You're mm-hmm. kind of, you're even scanning as weird to them. He's genuinely confused. But then Andrew like taps into something and he kind of, and that's where some of the filming, like the the sound comes out mm-hmm. and you go and you see just all the little, film tricks they use and then it goes and then at some point Fletcher loses himself mm-hmm. and it's not about him and Andrew and their beef and, and their rivalry or just even hurting Andrew it's about the music and he kind of it's almost like the aunt Nigo going back to <laughs> childhood it, it's Fletcher's moment mm-hmm. where all that stuff small potatoes now like he's tasting like mm. heightens, you know kind of What's the word I'm looking for? Like um, It's like rarefied air. Rarefied it's, air. It's, uh, it's it's transcendence. Rituosic. It's musical yeah. transcendence yeah. That, that they're going. And at that point, he's in and he's guiding Andrew. And, and my favorite little tiny thing is Andrew's is going and he knocks the symbols mm-hmm. over and Fletcher catches it and writes it. Mm-hmm. And like he's actively helping at that point. He could have let that go and it would have maybe broken the concentration yeah. or it would have like he was tasting it but Fletcher's ego couldn't handle Andrew succeeding over what about that anymore it's purely about the music and he's excited and the acting in the eyes and J.K. Simmons is like he, he's mm-hmm. enthused and he's like almost giddy and he's watching Andrew and then he's telling Andrew to like slow down and, and then you see the submission at that point Andrew like why should he trust this guy this mm-hmm. guy has actively tried to sabotage him Andrew like submits to Fletcher's like leading and direction. And when Fletcher's saying to go down, Andrew's going down and then Fletcher goes, and then Andrew goes up And the trust. And like, they are two peas in a pod in a way. And, and they both <laughs> yearn for musical greatness. And there's this nonverbal understanding where despite all evidence to the contrary, Andrew trusts him mm-hmm. and they go in together. Like, neither one of them could have tasted that, that musical greatness without the other. Fletcher pushing, Fletcher leading and conducting, even writing the cymbal, Andrew and his talent, Andrew pushing back and, and coming back. And it's almost this, like, proof of Fletcher's theory all mm-hmm. along right. that the right guy doesn't get broken. <laughs> hmm And so it's almost like you want the movie, there's a certain, you know, modern American, just the way we are, like Fletcher's the bad guy, we don't want, the movie loops back Mm -hmm. and is basically saying, Fletcher got his one, Mm -hmm. you know, you don't know what the Mm -hmm. future is. And it ends like with the final note and it cuts to Fletcher. You don't even see his mouth. Yeah, It's from his nose, it's mostly just a tight view of his eyes and he's smiling with his Mm -hmm. eyes, but you don't get the satisfaction of seeing the yeah. smile on his face mm. and they lock eyes and then that's it. Mm-hmm. There's no hug. There's no, I knew you had it in you all along. Oh, you know, you were hard, but I needed you. Thank you coach. Like no none of that. It was about the music and it was about what it took. It was just this moment of transcendence. And, and I think that if Fletcher had lost the love of music He would have been so bent on destroying Andrew Mm. that that never gets off. Yeah, he never, he wouldn't have let that happen. So, to me, that moment interprets backwards how Mm. I view Fletcher. Um, Still flawed, still doing a lot of bad things, (laughs) still right. But I think that thread of his intentions were still right and good, even if he allowed them to become warped because he didn't have a voice he submitted to. Like he, he just wasn't, mm-hmm. he got full of himself.
2: Yeah, no, I totally agree. I was listening to a podcast the other day and the, he was talking about, um, uh, he he's talking about like pride and how a lot of Christian theologians will talk about pride as being like, uh, kind of like the worst sin or like the mother of all sins. Like mm-hmm. every other sin come, comes out of pride. And so the opposite of that is like this losing yourself. And yeah, and that's what you see. Like he, I feel like this movie is a really great depiction of that where you see whenever you, whenever you first see Fletcher, he's, yeah, he's at like the top of the mountain. Like he just, he walks into the, another teacher's classroom and just says like, get out of my way. And the t- the other mm-hmm. professor is like, okay, yeah, like he can do whatever he wants whenever he wants at Schaefer. And you just, you see that pride and you see how it has warped him and you see how it makes him treat people and mm-hmm. it just super toxic Um, all the things that we've talked about, but then I totally agree. You said he loses himself in that moment at the end. And he does, he, Mm -hmm. he completely loses himself. It's not about him anymore. It's just about creating something great. Mm -hmm. And he, he, not even like him creating something great, just like being a part of something great. He didn't care who got the credit. No, yeah, he he doesn't care. And I think, I agree. I think that's part of why the movie doesn't show you what happens afterwards. Mm -hmm. Because I think to Andrew and to Fletcher, it almost doesn't matter what happens afterwards. Like whether anybody else acknowledges what happened or not, or whether anybody else recognizes it, I think is more of how they would say it. They, in their minds, they know that they did something like great and transcendent that Mm -hmm. day, Uh, which is really interesting. I mean, it's like, can you even actually do that by doing anything like playing any amount of music on a stage for whatever, 10 minutes or 15 minutes? I don't know, but they seem to think so. Um, and, and I do think that it is this expression of like letting go of yourself in, in, uh, like two in service of something better, in service Mm -hmm. of something greater. And you, and yeah, you see Fletcher like go back to that. And it is, it's like this complete change or like this calling back of his character to who he was. Um, And one of the things that I was thinking about while I was watching this is like, it totally could have been the end of the movie if he just leaves, if Andrew just leaves with his dad. But the movie almost hinges on this like, like, It almost becomes, and I think we've kind of talked about this before, but it almost becomes this, like, depending on how you look at it, that's, like, the pivotal point of the movie. Because it's, in either way, you can almost paint it as, like, something really beautiful or something transcendent or something uh, tragic, whether he stays or whether he goes. And it totally just depends on your viewpoint, and it depends on what you value. Mm -hmm. Um, Because you can look at it as, like, a tragedy that he goes back to Fletcher...
1: Yeah, and that's my favorite shot in the entire movie. Um, And I didn't understand it the first several times I watched this, but in the middle of this insane solo, right, and we're just talking about Transcendence and Fletcher and Andrew and all that, the movie just inexplicably in the middle of all that cuts to Paul Reiser, the dad, Mm -hmm. just watching at the door. And it's just his face. And it holds for maybe two or three seconds. No dialogue. He doesn't even really change his expression. And then it cuts back. And I remember thinking, like, why? Like, Mm -hmm. what was the upside of that? And I remember, like, pausing. (laughs) And I don't think it was either one of you, but it was someone else. Uh, We talked about it for 45 minutes, just analyzing the look on his face and why. And I think it's there, because there's a way of looking at this movie. Andrew has two father figures. He has his actual dad, and he Mm -hmm. has Fletcher. And it's almost like a battle for Andrew's, like, soul Mm -hmm. (laughs) in a certain... I'm not trying to be overdramatic, but... Paul, like his actual dad wants him to have an emotionally healthy and stable mm-hmm. life. You want to be a musician, be a musician. There's plenty of perfectly solid clubs. You can be a working right. musician. People do it all over New York. You know, right. Maybe you're not going to be Charlie Parker. Maybe people aren't going to know you forever, mm. but like, Get like healthy and balance and and don't be that. That's only going to lead to being miserable in a ditch dying at 35. It's just pain. There's maybe there's professional success, but there's pain in that road. And as a father, he doesn't want that. Fletcher wants greatness. Fletcher wants musical greatness. He wants to push. And he and Andrew are lined up in their definition of success. And I think when Andrew gets humiliated off the stage and into his father's arms At that point, it's like his father, armed with the perspective of a 50-year-old man, knows this hurts, son, but this is better off for you long-term. Let's take this off the thing. Mm -hmm. Your identity and worth as a person is not in the quality of your drumming. You are, you have worth, you are worth loving. (laughs) You have, you know, only good things ahead of you, like let go of this drumming thing and you can, you know, there's better days ahead. And when he turns around, it's like maybe he needs to get this out of his system, right? Like, you know, but then when he, it's halfway through that solo, but you've already figured out that he hit rarefied air and you see just despair Mm -hmm. on Paul Reiser's face. It's Mm -hmm. such a beautifully acted, nonverbal thing where he loves his son and there's a part of him that's lost in the music, a part of him loves it, a part of him's happy for his son and caught up in the moment. And there's just a, hit in his stomach where he knows he has lost him forever. Mm. And not necessarily like they'll never talk or won't have a relationship, but his son has now tasted that. He's locked in. He Mm. is locked in and he is never going to be happy or or not agitated. He's tasted it and there is no going Mm. back. And it's like his soul is just broken because he now knows his son is going to live a life of misery. And maybe musical you know, interwoven with, you know, Jordan had a wonderful, maybe it's riches, maybe it's fame, maybe people generations from now will be talking about Andrew, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but he's going to alienate the people around him. He's not going to be loved in the way he'll pay a Mm -hmm. price for that. And what his father wants for him, he just saw vanish. And all of that spoken or not spoken in the span of a few seconds of a, of a frame of a face. And it's just like that kind of two dads wrestling over Andrew was settled once and for all mm-hmm. in that moment.
0: Yeah, that's how I felt. I agree with everything you guys are saying about the final scene, but I think it leaves me feeling like I don't have any um, confidence that Fletcher or Andrew have now changed. No. They're now to all the worst bits that right, you've yeah. seen throughout the film. Fletcher now has his circular logic yep. cemented where this is the way. Right he will only continue to leave a wake of just shattered like psyches. And um, there's the the other student who uh, I think like commit suicide or something. Oh, like, yeah, th- That's like the dark side of, of what Fletcher's doing, really? you know? And it's like well, he, Fletcher's locked in. Andrew's locked in now in the ways that you're saying, like he's, Andrew's only going to, I only believe now that Andrew's going to continue to meet,
2: great girls like Nicole and then just yeah. cut
0: them off when they feel in right. the way. And That's what I was going
2: to say is that now he is, he in his mind is completely justified for the way that he treated Nicole.
1: Yeah. At that point.
2: And just going to be, worked.
1: he's going to be Fletcher.
2: Right, yeah. He's yeah. going to
1: teach mm-hmm. at that school one day if he's not touring or whatever. <laughs> sure, yeah. Like, mm-hmm. you know, but he absolutely, because he believes, like you said, it, it's cemented in both of them. Mm-hmm. This is the way. And it's just there's pain and misery on that path. Mm. Yeah. Which I think you can see. And I think we've kind of
2: talked around it the whole time, but it's like, we obviously come down on that being not the right way. Mm -hmm. But then at the same time, you can see why it's compelling and you can see like watching, even them just watching that scene. I, I agree with you. It's like top three endings ever. It's, it's just incredible. Um, but and like part of it is because there's like this tragedy happening at the same time, but it's like exciting and there's all that. But even just the way that it's shot and the way that they do it makes you feel like you're part of something transcendent. Yeah at that. And so they draw you in. And so, and I, yeah, I just that's what I love about this movie so much is like even if I can look at it and be like, I don't disagree or like, I don't agree with that. I don't <laughs> like the way that Fletcher acts. I don't think that that is really the best way to motivate people or like even to get the best out of people but you still you taste that same fruit that they're mm-hmm. tasting at that point and it is really compelling.
0: Yeah. That's why people love sports. Yeah. I think for people who don't understand mm-hmm. sports like that's it when you see Michael Jordan hit that shot game 6 against Utah like it as corny as it might sound like I remember being a, a kid watching that and just feeling like, wh- like I feel changed. I feel different. Like I have witnessed something. Mm-hmm. What like, about when
1: Vince ran in the inside? Oh my gosh! <laughs> Do you yeah. remember that? Did you black out? Yeah. <laughs> that, you know
2: what? This is what we're, okay. You I were, actually uh, I remember watching that game too. Yeah, Vince Young running
0: into the inside yeah. was. Uh, I left my body. I still remember that. <laughs> <laughs> but you reminded me. Uh, <laughs> This won't make sense to most people, but I know Tim will appreciate it. So um, the one thought I had at the end, I was like, Fletcher is now Jimbo Fisher, where he's got his one championship. He is now going to be locked into his way for the next 20 years. It'll never work again. He'll never find another, you know, He'll victory. get a pot like, belly. Yeah, he'll get the pot belly. Um,
1: he'll get the the he'll go be the music chair at a and m get <the laughs> yeah.
0: that was just for tim <laughs>
1: that's good i, I appreciate that it makes perfect sense <laughs> yeah I think you know we, we've been also weaving in like these gospel applications, but mm. this movie helps like really underline like the scandal of grace you know as christians like we we believe that we are called to be motivated by grace, mm-hmm. and that being what makes this so compelling, and what makes Fletcher and his philosophy and all the sports stuff I've talked about, all these other things like fear and insecurity work motivating no. people through it does not lead to long term like human thriving, no. but if you want to motivate someone to work hard, and if hard work plus talent like leads you to success. It doesn't matter from a certain bare bones, just black and white, is this being achieved or not sense. It doesn't matter why you're working hard as long as you're working hard, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think we live in a world where we both have received that, and you know, not everyone responds. I, you know, I shouldn't speak in absolutes, but a lot of people, that's a very powerful fear, embarrassment, you know, just the negative emotion side of things. Shame Shame is a huge thing. massively. And so motivating, it also works to motivate out of love. And I think that is interesting. Some people like, I I would almost imagine Ian, you were talking about like rock climbing earlier, like some of the maybe areas that aren't as like, I almost said infected, (laughs) maybe infected is the right word, but like, clouded with money and fame. Mm. Like some people are insanely like, I think about some of those Olympians. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and he's like, right. Like people and who, the... but it's like the Olympics, it's like they devote their lives, these obscure sports that no one cares about. Right. There's no riches. There's no endorsements. Right. Once every four years, you get your one little two yeah. week window and hopefully you don't have a cold or screw up or something, right. but you know, but like these people are, are every mm. bit as, you know, And so some people, you know, I don't know all their stories, but it is possible to be motivated through love of something. Mm -hmm. It is possible to be motivated. Like what God calls us to do is to respond to like the love and sacrifice and grace that he's shown us. And so it's what's so hard as Christians and like in church is like our default wants to be motivated to like, earn our spot to be worthy to to be shame ridden and then to motivate others that way but we the way Fletcher kind of has that like pure thing and then it gets infected with pride and you know he he self-justifies like that's what I mean like maybe not to the level of abuse but I think there's a little bit of Fletcher (laughs) and a lot of it like when we respond and then want others to respond through that uh, you know, maybe it's not as over the top as, as kind of Fletcher's portrayal, but it's a thing. And it's really hard to lay that down when it's effective Um, and you can get people Mm -hmm. because it really, at a foundational level, it's what Ian's been kind of getting at. Like, what's the goal? Mm Mm-hmm. And for Christians, like we have to answer that question, and it can go a thousand different ways, but the goal at the root of it all, if you go down deep enough, has to be pleasing God
0: mm-hmm.
1: and so you can't get spiritual like godly fruits through unspiritual you know through through shame and, and you know you, you might get people to re- perform, but it's not an yeah. inside out like Christian growth and maturation through grace, which is what God's will is for us. It's like a fruit stapling outside in trying to be performative way. And it's really hard because it takes a real commitment because you're going to be slow and you're going to be messy and it's going to be two steps forward, Mm -hmm. one step back. Because motivating through grace and love, it's slower. It's not as powerful in a short burst. But world changingly powerful in the long run. Mm-hmm. And it leads to, like, you might not get as famous. Yeah, that's kind of what you're getting at. Like, like where are you putting your value? Right. You know, it, we know God calls, you know, building blocks, and, and God doesn't necessarily impress with, with hitting that shot against Utah. Right. You know, not that it's ungodly, right. but it doesn't mean that you sacrifice relationships and and marriages and Mm -hmm. child rearing and, and your neighbor and, and, you know, being like Michael Jordan was famous for picking fights with teammates and practice and fistfights. And Mm -hmm. like, that's what it took to get going. Like, that's not healthy, you know? And and so that's not, there's a part of us that wants to, as long as I get there, how I get there doesn't matter. And, in the kingdom of God, how you get there is everything is where it is is almost besides the point. It's the journey. And then like what happens out of that is up to God. You know, it's kind of a, it's an upside yeah. down different way of looking at it.
0: It reminds me of the story of Moses because God, God doesn't start by calling Moses to like, I need you to become this great world leader. Right. He doesn't like put that on the, on the table for Moses. And in fact, where the places where you see Moses like struggling with like his identity of like who am I, Egyptian? Am I Hebrew? Am I really a spokesperson? Am I really the yeah. one you want for this? Um, God doesn't respond by uh, defining Moses; He defines Himself. He says, mm-hmm. "I am who I am," mm-hmm. and He God defines Himself. And what He's asking of Moses is to know God and understand His greatness and who He is, and Along that way, Moses becomes this world leader who's interacting with the, you know, the one of the greatest world leaders of his time, of his day. Mm-hmm. Um, and he he got there by knowing and trusting God and kind of a like a, almost like just a small daily faithfulness to, okay, God, you asked me to do this today? I'll do this. And it wasn't like God put this goal of like, you need to become a great diplomat, world leader, hone these skills, work on that, become that, and then you will be able to accomplish what I need you to accomplish. And I do think that is the Christian way. And it, I think it helps in how we approach one another. Mm-hmm. It's like what I, how I need to help my brother, sister, myself, is um, we, need to, we need to know God and his greatness. And it's not about, well, wait, who am I? And defining myself and trying to figure out me. Mm-hmm. Um and God's told us what He wants. He wants us to love our neighbors. Mm-hmm. He wants us to be kind and patient and you know, all these right. to be hospitable. Right. Um, and there are a lot of things that feel very small. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's he doesn't say, yeah. hey guys, we need to influence politics. So I need someone to have the aspiration to become president or to become a senator. Or, you know, he's he's not he's just saying like mm-hmm love your neighbors, be a hard worker, um, be faithful.
2: Yeah, and it's hard to value those things a lot of the time. It's hard to value all those small things. And I also think that, yeah, like anybody can motivate through shame or fear. Like it's a Mm. lot easier to motivate through shame and fear. Um, And I think you see, like Fletcher doesn't have to build any sort of relationship. He doesn't have to. All he needs is like a little bit of information, a little bit of like, okay, who is this type of person? What will they respond to? And then he can just, he, he either is going to like push them way far away or he's going to figure out that he can start like molding them into mm-hmm. what he wants them to be. Mm-hmm. And, but for, to motivate somebody through love or to like to actually show somebody something really good, it takes like, it can take a really long time. Like you're saying, I mean, trust just takes a long time to build up. Mm. Um, and like, even just like the love aspect of it and like that care, like that isn't built overnight Mm -hmm. it's just, it just doesn't happen. It doesn't even come with a reputation. Like you can have this reputation of being somebody who's really scary or who's really like, uh, has all this power and is like willing to humiliate people like Fletcher is. And that like people will respond to really easily, but it's not really the same with the love. Like you can know somebody is loving, but until they act that way towards you and until you trust them to do that, it's not not the same thing, I feel like. Like knowing that somebody is somebody to be scared of versus knowing that somebody is somebody who is loving and caring. I think we react differently to those because we can respond to fear in like an instant, but responding to love and building that relationship is, is completely different. So Mm -hmm. yeah, I think it can just look really good to, to motivate through that, through all those bad things, like through all those things that God doesn't like, like the fear and the shame, because I mean, you were saying all this, but it, it has these short term, um, like dividends that it pays, but, in the long run, it just—it's not creating relationships, and it's not actually going to build something that has a stable foundation that can that can grow from there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I, I was just thinking, like, it's so—it's so easy. Like anybody, it's really a lot easier to motivate through shame and fear than it is through through love and trust, which I
1: think points back to how amazing God is because hmm. most world religions, the deity is like the one you have to please. Mm-hmm. And you're very insecure. Am I going to heaven or hell? Is Am I on the good side or bad side? And that's what motivates you to be good. Mm-hmm. And that's like the default religious wiring. And so much of like even trying to disciple people in the gospel is like reversing that. It's mm-hmm. like, no, <laughs> like that's not what the gospel says. So God isn't, it's just, it's it's a characteristic of, of God and what makes him amazing is that he is content. He wired us. He knows how we respond And chooses like love and grace and slow and messy over like insecure but fast and and Mm. fear inducing, you know? And I think that's amazing and worth, you know, celebrating. Yeah. Uh,
2: I mean, I think even just saying like that's what all these other religions are based on is basically just saying that's the way that humans work. mm. Because Christians would argue that all those religions are essentially just human like conceptions. Mm -hmm. And the reason that Christianity is different is because God is other than human.
1: So what you're saying is all the other religions have Fletcher as a God, (laughs) right? And Christianity has Mr. Miyagi as a God. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) I was on board with the first part
2: (laughs) and then I, and then not quite as on board with the second part, partly because I have never actually watched Mm -hmm. the Oh Wow. Wow. Yeah, I know that maybe we should do that on here one day.
1: Well, Aaron, I know you have to wrap up a yeah, little soon, really so I'm we can. we, we good to run through <laughs> yeah, the we're end. Good. Okay. Yeah, let's, let's, unless you have another brilliant insight, Ian. Do you uh, want to move to rating no. time? Or, no, it's okay. We can do I I part two next, next year for my birthday. Okay, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we can we'll, we'll just make visit, it a, yeah, we'll, we'll do the, yeah. a second yeah. Yeah. ET. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, every year. Second ET. That hurts. All right, <laughs> Ian. Uh, I have my symbol ready, yeah. <laughs> yeah. and if you rate this an inappropriate rating, I would never do that, it is going to come flying at
2: your head. I would never do that. What, what are we rating on, though? Oh, that's right. Yeah.
1: I think we should rate on attacking symbols. Attacking yeah. symbols, yeah. Flying yeah. Symbols, yeah.
2: <laughs> I mean, yeah, it, it's a five for me. It's it's an obvious five. You know, this is a, a real movie about real drumming, <laughs> so what can I say? <laughs> Uh, yeah. I, I, I love like everything about this movie. It's, it's so good. I really want to see this movie in theaters. If I could see yeah. it, like that would be, I would jump at that. Yeah. That'd be so, so fun. Yeah. It's great. It's not, not a, well, I think it's fun. I really, yeah. It's not like a super, I don't even know how to describe that, it, but it's an intense movie. If anybody wants to watch it, I'll just say that it's an intense movie. It's really good. It's worth it.
1: If you can't handle this movie, you were not meant for movie greatness anyway. Right, yeah. (laughs) It's just Fletcher's logic applied
2: to you.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I give it five flying symbols. Um, I like like the pacing of this movie. Mm -hmm. I think um, it has great technical quality. Uh, The acting is fantastic. Uh, It's just a well-done movie, and... If you're not into jazz, even if the, um, the heaviness of the, the subject matter, the kind of like abuse and things that happen, um, it might just be my sensibilities, but in a way the pacing, the movie never seems to like linger Mm -hmm. or feel, um, I don't know, the, 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 difficult scenes don't feel like they, they never feel like they even linger like a second too long. It always feels like just the appropriate amount. And like I said, the movie keeps moving. The pacing's excellent. And so it's just a well-done movie. I think it's interesting to think about. I think like the discussion we've had, a lot of these ideas are things that are common. Like we think about them, we wrestle with them um, in our own personal lives and the lives of people we may influence or Mm -hmm. um, have a voice in. And so um, I think it has a lot of value in that sense as well.
2: Yeah, yeah, I totally agree.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, my answer is obvious. I <laughs> picked this movie for a reason. It's probably a top three, three or five movie of all time for me. I like it that much. I've probably seen it 10 times. <laughs> I could watch this every day. Mm. I think just, I, I would almost say it's a perfect movie. I don't think there's anything I would change. Um, I'd have to get really, really hyper picky to... Mm. Um, yeah, I, I just, I, I really do. Uh, like you were saying, I think it's paced beautifully. I think it's proof that low budget, yeah. you know, this is just, it's a idea and I think it's brought to its... its
0: Story-wise, like, <laughs> it's not that sophisticated. It's, not. it's pretty yeah, straightforward. Yeah. Um,
1: it's a great confluence of, like, vision yeah. and direction and acting. Right, Like, J.K. Simmons, like, yeah. he was... I don't know that I could see someone else, like... Hmm he just had a quality that you have to have a command and a ability to be like almost grandpa ish. Like when he would like mm-hmm. be charming, he could be charming mm-hmm. and then vicious yeah. <laughs> and toggle between that and, and just the, the conviction. And I, I don't know, it's a very nuanced performance and I'm glad he, he won all kinds of awards because mm he is he's a guy who is in a lot and, yeah. and he you know is never really like a star like a, a yeah. front of the you know uh-huh. um, I don't know I, I just I think it's incredible I among all movies I most like movies that explore human motivation it's just mm. like my little sub that I probably love the most and so this just hits me in the bullseye um, so yeah I'm up for doing it next year <laughs> I'll have an entirely new thing to talk about <laughs> We can just go the frame by frame on the last scene. I could do two hours on that easy.
2: Yeah, I think this is the last thing I'll say. But just, I think I appreciate how focused it is. Like you were talking about earlier, and it is—it is just such a focused movie. Mm. It like it really just gives you everything that you need to tell this story, but like nothing more. And there's really no fluff in it. And and that's like all it does, and that's all it's interested in doing. It's
1: uncommonly confident. For a guy who was like 28 or so when he made yeah. it, it's just it's very mm-hmm. mature and confident because of how focused it is. Yeah, it's, it's not it never bails out. Yeah, and yeah. And it's, it's just tight. Mm.
2: Yeah, so it's great. Uh, so recommendations. I had a few. I mean, it's it's all of the motivation stuff. That's all that I mm-hmm. dialed in on. Um, that yeah, that was pretty much exactly what I was thinking of. I had a few, I'm trying to think of which ones. Well, I'll go with the first one. I've recommended this one before, but I will recommend it again probably is King of Kong. Yes. I just, (laughs) I, it's, it's my, I think favorite thing for recommendation or for uh, motivations Mm -hmm. because one, it's like more of a kind of documentary thing. But then two, you can understand why somebody would want to be the best jazz drummer in the world it's like even if you don't like jazz it's like okay yeah like that's cool like Mm. but this is a story (laughs) of somebody trying to beat the record on the original donkey kong arcade game that nobody even plays anymore people (laughs) barely even know what it is but it shows i think and i think because it's so obscure it gets more at the heart of like why does he care this much? Mm-hmm. And like, why is he doing this? Why has he put so much effort into it? And it's like, it kind of has a lot of the same beats of here. It's like, it's like tragic at the same time as like, you're just watching this guy trying to, just trying to accomplish something. And so there are like these moments of like celebration, but you kind of see his life, like, not really as explicitly, but it's just like, man, why does he care so much about this? I, I think it's great. I'm, no, it's a good recommendation. I really love that movie. Um, or I guess it's a documentary. The other thing that I was, mm, I don't know, I'm, I'm split. I'm going to do two, but I'm going to do them fast. Uh, <laughs> second one is Tar. We just did that. <laughs> great. I thought about Tar a lot yeah. watching this. Yeah, I mean, especially with the music themes. Well, um, Fletcher
1: actually says, like, any monkey can conduct yeah, right, or something, yeah, or yeah, something to derogatory like towards yeah, conducting. Feels, yeah. I was yeah. like,
0: I want to see Fletcher and Tar. <laughs> yeah. I just want to see the room fight. together. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I would
1: order that pay per view. That
2: would be, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what would happen, but it would be nuts. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we, we have a podcast about that and it's, it's super, a a lot of ways it's very similar, but the other thing is also very similar, but I just want to mention it because it's just so on brand with this is the weight of gold. Yeah. It's just, it's like the exact same thing, but it's Michael Phelps, um, him talking about his journey as an Olympic gold medalist. I think like the most gold medals that anybody's ever won. And then him interviewing other gold medalists and Mm -hmm. basically talking about the exact same thing of like, what's the cost? Mm -hmm. Um, And why, what does it cost you? Why does it cost you that? And then kind of this like open-ended question of, is it worth it? Yeah. And to hear it from somebody who's like gone as high as they could go and higher really than anybody else has before, I think just adds this really unique perspective
1: and super interesting. That's an HBO documentary. Yeah. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah,
0: sports are, like we've already talked about, they're one of the things that are most, like, commonly consumed. And maybe for that reason, um, motivations when it comes to sports, they're they're one of the areas where they're the most naked and, and kind of, like, we don't really like flinch or like we hear these kind of stories like, oh, this guy was pushed in this way and we're kind of like, oh, interest like you know, we, <laughs> right. we're not like what a monster. Yeah. Like, you know. It's just it's a it's an interesting like phenomenon. <laughs> but, but like but is he good at basketball? Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. He makes a lot of those
0: shots, so yeah.
1: clearly it was. Did you miss it? that yeah. shot? <laughs> you need to ignore your wife and kids yeah. and get in that gym <laughs> over there. <Yeah.
0: laughs> um and so sports is just ripe with this yeah. kind of thing and um I really liked uh, I like the weight of gold I liked uh I would recommend um The Last Dance I think it's really yeah, interesting I was thinking about that too um, yeah. and then I know most people have heard of this movie but maybe because it's older not so many have seen it but Rocky I mean it's a, I think it's another Academy Award oh, yeah. winner and yep. um it's
1: Ian's looking guilty right now. I yeah. uh, actually I have seen Rocky. <laughs> okay, good. Is yeah. another a plane movie? Yeah, oh, plane movie. Yeah,
0: <laughs> they were saying like a plane, like <laughs> yeah. <"Wow>, poor Rocky. <laughs> like, but, poor uh, Rocky. <laughs> but yeah, it just you know it's um, I think it's entertaining. It's it's just like a cherished movie for me. But um, it goes into some of that just kind of motivations mm-hmm. and why people do what they do and why they are willing to pay the prices they're willing to pay for things. So
1: that's good. I like it. Rocky four also ended the cold war. So bonus points for the Rocky franchise. Just watch them all. Yeah. I would see another franchise put up against that. Yeah. I had, I thought about this a lot because I couldn't think of one. And so I thought about it and then I had a lot last dance was on my list. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't think a way to go, but that certainly fits. Um, Maybe this is a little dark. I, I put up because <laughs> that soul crushing 10 yeah. minute sequence of Carl and Ellie. Yeah. Andrew will never experience that. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's the cost of this movie. Wow. He will never have his. Ellie? He, he'll he he'll watch that and he won't even cry. <laughs> Andrew will just watch that and be like loser. <laughs> be like great now <laughs> I can yeah. practice yeah. something that actually matters. Think of how many balloons no you could drums. have done. Yeah. I don't see any drums. Um, Waste of a life. <laughs> while I was in Pixar, I thought of Soul. Ah, okay. uh, also dealing with jazz, also dealing with the idea of like what makes success. You know, he was a teacher who wanted certain success and, you know, almost Mr. Holland's opus, opus kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think maybe a healthier version. We're saying the, the Fletcher-Andrew thing was one path. I think maybe a healthier, but maybe... Similar dynamic, but in the reverse. Goodwill Hunting, yeah, with Sean and, mm. and Will, mm-hmm. um, you see yes, that kind yeah. of trust earned. And, and Will had like an opposite thing where he should have been more ambitious, but wanted to stay connected with his friends because he, you know. And so it was actually almost a mirror image of what we were talking about. Like he needed to. His like demons were holding him from yeah. wanting to to go and achieve. Um, But that Sean-Will dynamic, I thought, was maybe a healthy alternative to the Fletcher-Andrew dynamic. Um, I thought of the social network, Mm -hmm. uh, the Zuckerberg character as a kind of mirror Mm. for Andrew, Mm -hmm. um, where the more success he got, the less likable he was and the more socially estranged he was. But that pursuit of greatness coming at a cost for your, like, like humanity, basically, mm. uh, I thought that was depicted in that film. Yeah, and then the the last one was we recently did it, but Nightcrawler, um, the way Fletcher kind of had like a certain underlying logic to his madness. Yeah. Uh, I thought. And um, why am I blanking? But Lou? The, yeah, Lou, Lou Lewis, depending who you're talking to, yeah, right. Lou or Lewis. Yeah, um, some similar, you know sometimes you're like, he's got a point and then you're like, no, 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 he, <laughs> that's He's like a Yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to get too sympathetic to him, but yeah, he kind of has, you know, <laughs> but some of those like stripped away, like mm. it's it, his ideas implemented. Don't lead to like human thriving, but some of the foundational ideas aren't necessarily all the way at crossroads. So mm. that's my list.
2: It's good. It's, it's good. Form of the list.
1: All right. Well, I think we did this justice. Happy birthday to me! <laughs> happy birthday so, to Tim. Yes, not ET. <laughs> ET is not a happy birthday. Tim's smiling Fletcher right now. Fletcher is though. Yeah. yeah. You can't see his mouth. This podcast this was not leading or dragging. This was my tempo. Right on tempo. Right on tempo. Right on tempo. So you've experienced transcendence. We've experienced, <laughs> right. have it, have
2: you're, you're welcome. To this? All right. Yeah. You're welcome. You don't have to go destroy your whole life to go play drums now. You've already experienced it. <laughs> yeah, so, <and> <laughs> you're flipping through the channels late at night Looking for a movie,
0: yeah, you're doing it right Called up Tim, I called up Ian I wanted to know, which movie are we seeing? Cause some make you laugh, and some make you cry I wanna know, are your thoughts like mine? Or
1: up love of the friend
0: Afraid. friend.